The bad problem is everybody has a platform to then create a persona that they then themselves either get burnt out, either can't keep up or in Derek Jackson's case, not living up to the social media persona that they portray. And that can be dangerous. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And you're listening to and or watching the Snob OS show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. Uh, we are back for another show. We want to thank everybody for watching. We want to thank all of our supporters. And what I wanted to do in the beginning is thank uh, one of our newest Patreon supporters. His name is Sam Russell. Uh, not only did he join our Patreon group, he actually uh, sent us some feedback on the uh, on our website in the email. So I just wanted to read uh, his feedback since since you are a Patreon supporter, you do get some extra love on the actual show. So I just wanted to read his message uh, from Sam Russell. Like I mentioned, subject, love the show. Uh, Nika and Terrence, I just wanted to let you guys know how much I've been enjoying your show. I have been listening since you were guests on DTNS, which is Daily Tech News Show. Shout what, out to them. Yes, definitely. Uh, what a great way to get a dose of Apple news and other perspective on what's going on in the world. As a white male, it is hard to hear what others that are not like me go through and how much your show has helped. Thanks again. So we definitely want to thank you for that. Um, Thanks, Sam. Welcome to the Snobbist family. Definitely. And, you know, I think his uh, sentiment is kind of what we were going for with mm -hmm. the show. So, you know, for him to be able to uh, recognize that and actually, you know, uh, congratulate us on that. I think that, you know, definitely appreciate it because that is kind of the whole point of, of the show. The reason why we did yeah. it, you know, uh, so we definitely want to thank you for recognizing uh, why this show exists in the first place. So we definitely want to say thanks again, Sam. And like I said, having said that, we want to get right into the show. So we're going to start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. So this first uh, story is about the fact that I say last week um, we or if not last week, uh, the week it before. Was last week. Yeah, last week. OK, so last week we there was rumors the week before that it was rumors that the uh, latest Apple event will be in April will be in March rather. And then come to find out that's not the case. Uh, the show will either be pushed back or it never was scheduled for March in the first place. But people have got more confirmation that the first Apple event of 2021 will be in April. Uh, one of the main guys who kind of leaked that information that it was going to be in March. Uh, he's a popular guy. His name is John Prosser. And he's kind of been the new it guy when it comes to leaking Apple news. So he was one of the main guys who said the Apple event is going to be in March. Come to find out that's not the case. It's going to be in April. So I don't know as a penance for uh, he not getting that information right. I guess he wanted to either live up to a bet. I didn't see anything where he said an actual uh, bet that he lost or anything, but I guess the the shame that came with getting that uh, bit of information wrong, he has decided to and has took a tremor to his eyebrows 
and actually on YouTube shaved his eyebrows off. So again, you know, I guess his, this is him saying, you know, my bad, I didn't get it right. So let me show y'all that I'm really not out here just trying to throw stuff out and not have any sort of accountability. So I guess for whatever reason, his accountability was I'm going to shave my eyebrows off. So <laughs> I, who asked for that, bro? Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did he lose a bet or yeah, like, I don't, it, it would have been nice if he would have, if he would have put some context around it, or maybe since I don't follow him or know his deal maybe he did make a bet i don't know yeah so i'm reading a little bit more on on the uh story we found on cult of mac uh he says uh tuesday's episode of front page tech i'm assuming that's his show uh it opened with dramatic music and a recap of the leaker's solemn oath to commit a facial hair atrocity if he didn't nail the date of apple's product launch so that's it so he said he was going to do something to his body hair face if he didn't get that date right, of course, he got that date wrong. Maybe Apple found out and was like, yeah, we want to see you pay. So maybe they push <laughs> it back just to see if he would. Just to see if he shaved his eyebrows off. Right. So um, <laughs> uh, reading on, he says, I quote, I am so sure that if I don't get the March event right, I will shave off my eyebrows. Then the video cut up to the present and a wincing prosser apparently resigned to his fate. He said, oh, God. Yep. He said today is that day. The episode continued with Prosser serving up various tech news and rumors with this typical mix of insight and toilet humor. Climax came at the end when Prosser firing up his clippers around the 10 minute mark. He also turned the amateur barber session into a fundraiser for Wigs for Kids, a nonprofit that connects young cancer patients with hair pieces. He said, I'm going to do it. He yelled, it's for the kids, for the kids. And then he did the deed and shaved his eyebrows off. So uh, we did get our answers. He did actually make a proclamation. Uh, it didn't come to fruition. And a man of his word decided to shave his eyebrows off and also donated to a decent charity. So as much. Cool. Right. So as much uh, uh, shade as we give these analysts who love predicting things you know we got to give him some props for sticking his neck out there number one because a lot of these guys just say stuff it don't happen they either disappear or they just keep saying it until it becomes true (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. at least he you know decided look i'm gonna put some skin in the game and Mm -hmm. or his eyebrows in the game (laughs) (laughs) and decided you know what i'm a i'm a mere man of my word so shout out to him for actually you know uh, putting his money where his eyebrows, where his mouth is, right? <laughs> I do have one question though. What's toilet humor? I don't know if I've ever heard um, that nomenclature. College humor. I put it to college humor, you know, oh. farts and, you know, oh. underarms and, you know, stinky and, you know, oh. not necessarily potty mouth, but, you know, kind of like low hanging fruit comedy, you know, oh. farts and smells and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't oh, think okay. it's, I don't think it's, I don't, I, Again, I don't participate in it, but I don't think it's sexist or racist or anything like that. Just lowbrow. Pre-adolescent. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. All right. So the next story, um, we talked about this maybe a while ago and a a couple uh, put out some information and maybe even brought some receipts. And the fact that this couple, uh, they both applied for an Apple card. And the husband got approved and he had gotten a, let's just say, you know, $15,000 credit card limit. His wife 
uh, fill out an application. I don't know if she got denied. I know eventually was, she did get hers, approved. I think hers was, was it lower? Right, right. So she got I approved think- for Apple credit card limit. Same family, you know, same credit. I guess you could assume same credit history, same spending, all that good stuff. And I think they said she made more money than him or something. Right. There was something weird in there. Right. So come to find out, um, she got a approved for less lower uh, credit cards, uh, credit card limit. So then I, I don't know if it became a class action lawsuit, but a couple other people, notable people, specifically Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. And base camp designer David Hymanmeyer uh, Hansen had both charged that their female partners were given lower credit limits on the Goldman Sachs issues Apple card. Um, of course, they take it to court. Um, and it looks like, you know, the courts decided in favor of Apple or in this case, Goldman Sachs, because Apple doesn't have any sort of financial credit, anything. They're not a bank. So they partner with Goldman Sachs. So an investigation find that he did not find any evidence of unlawful intentional discrimination against women or members of protected classes uh, and determined that Goldman Sachs did not consider prohibited characteristics of Apple applicants and would not produce disparate disparate. I, I can't get that word impact still, according to the report. After reviewing both sets of credit files, Goldman Sachs raised the credit limits of both women to match the credit limits of their respective spouses within days after their complaints surfaced. So I'm kind of confused, right? Yeah. Uh, While the courts didn't find that they purposely were discriminating based on sex, uh, it is kind of weird that Goldman Sachs raised their limits after the fact, you know, it's almost like they acknowledged that something happened, but I guess they didn't necessarily purposely discriminate because of, you know, uh, because of sex. But I guess my thing is reason I'm confused. It's like, well, if I didn't do nothing, I'm not changing nothing, you know, but maybe this is their, I don't know, um, ways to make amends or Yeah, because I find it interesting. They didn't say they just raised their credit limits. They said they raised them to match their partners. Right. So was it one of those things of, oh, God, these people are complaining. They're trying to say something's wrong. So let's just make it even and just give them what their partners got. So in the instance of the guy who first, you know, made put it, you know, all on Twitter, he said that his partner actually, I think, made more than him. Mm -hmm. So technically, if that's the case. Wouldn't her limit be higher? So it seems like it's just, to me, I don't have all the details, but them matching the partner's limit was just a way to say, okay, fine, right. here, we'll give you what your partner has because that seemed to be the issue. Not that it was a disparity or some sort of bias based on you know their partner's gender, but it was more of, okay, fine, you pitched a fit enough, We'll just we'll just we'll just match it rather than actually addressing what the issue is. And maybe that's what the courts found, Mm -hmm. that there was no discrimination. But the company just said, we'll just give them the same thing just so that they'll be happy. I don't know. It's very something is 
I don't know. Well, it sounds kind of off, right? Well, I wouldn't say off. I guess again, I'm principled person. It's like, well, if I if I did something wrong, my bad. If I didn't do anything wrong, get out my face. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to make any sort of concessions. Um, if I didn't do it, if I feel like I didn't violate or I didn't do anything wrong. So the fact that they did do something when in fact they were found of not doing anything, if that makes any sense, maybe in and of itself, that's almost like an admission, you know, like if you, you know, again, but they did it, but they did it a couple of days after it all surfaced. Right. And these, this lawsuit came months after, so they wouldn't, I don't know. Maybe they shot themselves in the foot by conceding so fast to where, you know, if I say you wronged me and you say, I'm sorry, here's what I can do for you. That's almost an admission of guilt. And maybe they said, oh, so now you admit that you did something wrong. Let me take you to court. I don't know. But uh, and then the fact that the courts had both of the credit files and when they went through the credit files of each person and they didn't see anything. Yeah, I think they may have shot themselves in the foot just to, I guess, maybe maybe they just thought if we go ahead and do something now, it'll take some of the pressure off and it will, you know, not the hubbub will die down. Right. Only to be found out that they weren't, they didn't do anything wrong anyway. Right. But like at, at the very end, I guess, you know, now they'll take a closer look and it's not just paper, right? Because that's mm-hmm. a lot of the issue with credit reporting, you got three different credit bureaus. You can have two, two people that have same job, same finances, same credit, and then they can get two different scores. You know, maybe this is, you know, maybe just a little bit of a push in the right direction to where it's not just all about paper. You actually have to evaluate people, mm-hmm. you know, to give them a better credit score or credit limit because, you know, it's just not the raw numbers. Right. Right. It shouldn't be the wrong numbers, raw numbers anyway. All right. All right. So the next story, we're going to keep with, you know, Apple being charged and or sued. It looks like uh, Apple didn't slip through the cracks as it relates to uh, shipping iPhone 12s without a charger, because it looks like Brazil uh, has fined Apple two million dollars for uh, not shipping their latest devices without a charger. So if you're not familiar, you know, the latest iPhones, iPhone 12, iPhone 12 mini, Pro and Pro Max were all shipped with just the cables, but no power brick, the power outlet. So I guess um, Brazil has some specific um, consumer protection uh, issues that they raised as a result of that. And um Sao Paulo-based Consumer Protection Foundation, uh, Procon, on Friday also accused Apple of misleading advertising, selling defective products, maintaining unfair contract terms, and not repairing a product still under warranty. And according to a quote from this company, Apple needs to understand that in Brazil, there are solid laws and institutions for consumer protection. It needs to respect these laws and these institutions. Uh, of course, Apple did not immediately respond for a comment. So um, I guess Apple's way of trying to force consumers into the idea that uh, they're going to be more, I guess, consumer uh, environmentally conscious. You know, of course, Apple's major claims to not including a charger was um, it's eco friendly. Less packaging means less waste, means less recycling. You know, um, and they told everybody that up front that they weren't shipping them. With right. Them. But I guess, you know, 
that's not the case in Brazil because, but, but that's, it's weird because I know in the UK, I can't remember which country specifically, but they were, um, not selling the chargers in the box, but they were kind of like jerry rigging and attaching like another box with the charger attached. So when mm-hmm. a person bought an iPhone, they would get like this, you know, extra box with the charger outlet in it. So I'm, I'm surprised that Apple didn't do that with Brazil. Maybe they thought they could get past it, but I guess not, but they got, you know, slapped with a $2 million fine. So now it looks like Apple's going to have to do the same for Brazil and provide a, a 20 watt USB C charger. Um, that, you know, retail price, $40, you know, you can make the case that Apple was trying to fleece their consumers by selling an iPhone, which around the same price and then have to pay more for an outlet, you know, but I guess, uh, at the very least over in Brazil, they're going to have to do something to, you know, appease those people, you know, who need their charger or they're going to look like they're going to get fined even more. Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) All right. All right. It's interesting what, you know, how each individual country, Uh you know, has different stipulations and how these huge tech companies have to, you know, make the necessary accommodations for the different, you know, options. Because in that article you were reading, you know, at the end of it, it mentioned that in France, France, I say UK. Yeah. That's why I say France. Go go ahead. You have to sell a hands-free, you know, something, Uh um, you know, for, you know, kids, I think 14 and under to protect them from electronic waves or yeah, something. Yeah, electromagnetic waves, part, right. But that's a part of their rules is you can't sell them a mobile device without some sort of hands-free kit or, you know, device to, for, for that specific purpose. Right. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. You know, we'll see because Samsung, I remember they started shipping their devices without uh, outlet. So we'll see if, you know, Brazil, yeah, (laughs) see if they have to conform as well. All right. So let's see the next thing I've got. Um, speaking of Apple, uh, it looks like they are cracking down on Apple partners as it relates to facial, uh, recognition, but they don't, uh, have the same kind of harsh, you know, standards for facial recognition for Apple employees. So let me give you a little bit more information. Basically, um, in Apple manufacturing plants, they've been forcing um, contractors because since Apple doesn't own the manufacturing uh, plants and they don't consider those employees as part uh, employees, they're more contractors. Um, and maybe due to a lot of leaks, trying to keep down on information and devices actually leaving the manufacturing plants, holding to these contractors more accountability, whatever the case may be, uh, new rules for manufacturers working with Apple, uh, reportedly include severe limits on biometric scans of Apple staff on premises, yet encourages greater use of security cameras for actual factory workers. A new report says that Apple has updated its guidelines for factory security that must be followed by its partners in the supply chain. The new conditions include a ban on facial recognition, uh, facial or fingerprint scanning of Apple staff, though not of the supplier's own employees. So I I guess wanted to figure out or ask you, you know, um, do you think this is 
uh, fair for Apple to require that contractors, suppliers, third parties um, have to comply to these strict facial uh, biometric uh, standards when their own Apple employees, like maybe a manager or supervisor or whomever guest comes over to the same factory, doesn't have to adhere to those same standards. And what do you think the reasons behind that? Well, I would assume that because the Apple, the actual Apple employees don't have to go through that, mm -hmm. that during the hiring process of Apple, maybe the background check or, you know, the the look into the individual may be a little bit more invasive, I guess is the word, mm -hmm. so that it may not be as necessary for them to have that level of of scrutiny um, because they know that the people that they've hired, the process that they've gone through is more than adequate to to differentiate between any type of, of, of difference between, you know, their hiring practice and maybe their contractors hiring practice, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's, it, probably, that's the only thing maybe I can think of. Yeah. Maybe it's some get back. Cause I was reading a little bit more in the story and we'll put the link in the show notes to where it says Apple itself reportedly prefers key card and badge access to secure sections of its own facilities in comparison Three former Apple employees uh, told the information, which is a uh, another story, uh, a resource that they were required to submit facial or fingerprint recognition scans when visiting suppliers in China. So my guess is maybe <laughs> this is me, of course, being a conspiracy theorist, right? <laughs> um, Apple employees, when they were visiting uh, suppliers in China, not necessarily Apple, you know, manufacturing plants, suppliers who supply the plants with parts to actually assemble the phones or assemble the Macs or whatever the case may be, they had to submit facial or fingerprint recognition scans. So maybe as some get back, they decided um. to clamp down on the uh, contractors working in the manufacturing plants that assembled them and said, okay, well, we're going to force or enforce, you know, a tighter facial recognition, biometric fingerprint, whatever the case may be scans, you know, in response to being scanned ourselves, you know, cause of course, you know, America's, you know, even though, you know, China supplies a lot of products, they supply a lot of manufacturing, they supply a lot of manpower to create some of these products. You know, our relationships ain't, it ain't that kosher, right? Not besties. Right. So it's a financial transaction. And maybe you know how the, the old saying goes, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So right. it's like, you want to make us do this? Well, we'll we'll make you do this too. Right, right. I don't see any major fallout from this, but it's just it was just interesting that, you know, Apple said, Hey, y'all over there, y'all gotta go through all this extra stuff with us. You know, we'll just scan our cards and keep it moving. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All mm, right. Right. So the last uh, story I have in the lowdown is uh, we talked last week about um, the I'm a Mac guy was mm -hmm. uh, doing commercials for Intel, which was kind of making fun of the Apple M1 chip. But lo and behold, <laughs> Intel, dun, dun, dun. right, right. Intel <laughs> still wants to make sure they're on a friendly first name basis with Apple and still is uh, wants to be a part of that manufacturing product and wants to build 
the M1 silicon chips. So <laughs> we clowned you and all. Right. But yeah. uh, you still want to uh, run us a little money, though? Right, right, right. So <laughs> still want to work together? Still want right. to be friends? <laughs> so <laughs> let me read this in uh, iMore. In a press release on Intel's website, the company's new CEO, Pat Jelsinger, has announced that the company is founding a new Intel Foundry service division of the company to try and make itself known for its processor manufacturing. As a part of that new venture, Gelsinger says that the company wants to go after Apple as a potential customer. As reported by Mac Rumors, this was surprising to a lot of people, especially since the company has been running ads that bash Apple's new N1 Max. So I just found it interesting that they, you know, uh, well, I guess they see them as competition, you know, in the sense that they had to start some sort of marketing campaign, but mm-hmm. still want to get that back in money. But it's not really surprising because Apple and Samsung go back and forth, back and forth all the time. And Samsung makes most of the LED display products on iPhones, on um, uh, a bunch of different products. So. Uh-huh. But so why would I want to give my direct competition the schematics and the ability uh, that's very true. to produce that's very true. my chip? That's I'm very not true. Giving you that proprietary information. Are you stupid? That, that's very no. <laughs> that that's very that's very true. Uh wild. <laughs> they would even think that Apple would say, you know, all jokes aside, because you know, it was funny. Right. But let's put the jokes aside and think about dollars and cents and business. If you were my direct competition, why would I hand you over the kings to the kingdom? Right. Make it for me. When you're making something that's not even the same as that's that's honestly a lower tier than mine. Well, it's a, I'm not a chip manufacturer. I'm not all into the whole. I'm not a nerd or geek like that when it comes to processors and how they're built and Intel versus ARM versus, you know, all these other things. Um, maybe that it may not be that close of a of, of a um, Intel and M1 may not be. The, the technology or the, you know, how the they're built. Yeah, the arch that's what the word I was looking for. The architecture may not be that close. You know, um, again, I'm not familiar with the M1 chip, but there may be some ARM technology in there that is not the same as Intel. So maybe Intel and Apple teaming up to make an M1 chip, it won't be, like you said, given over the blueprint because it is a different architecture, different technology. I don't know. You know, all but my... Go ahead. No, I say, but I think they could still probably pull some of it from from pull something from it, even if the architecture is set up differently and the way that it's built out is different. If you think about the boards that these chips are on, mm-hmm. they are so small. Right. And for this M1 chip to be able to fit into an air, which is super, super thin, mm-hmm. even if they can't reuse any of the actual architecture and technology, you could see how they place the different components on the chip to be able to make it so small mm-hmm. that app that, you know, Intel could say, well, maybe we could, Oh, they got this display. Let's rearrange, you know, the way our chip is set up so that we can maybe make it smaller, maybe make it faster, maybe make it more efficient. I, 
<laughs> if they do this, I would be very surprised. I mean, I've been surprised before, but I just, I, I, I find it very interesting to, for lack of a better word, to have another chip maker asked to manufacture the Maybe. direct competitor's chip, who is, I mean, by all accounts, you know, significantly better than what they currently have. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you bring up good questions. I don't know. Uh, like I said, you know, maybe Apple, you know, maybe Intel is trying to push the idea that, you know, we've been doing this. And even though y'all new kids on the block, um, the getting ramped up, mass producing, you better just better off letting us do it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So that is it for. Uh, the lowdown. Let's move into second string. So, you know, I don't know if you are heavy on Slack or not, but I know a lot of people do use Slack as their main tool of inter-office communication. But now it looks like Slack is letting you, uh, giving you the tools and the ability to direct message anybody, whether it be inter-office or outside of the office. So Slack is starting to roll out a new feature. Let's anyone Using the service DM each other announced back in October, Slack Connect DMs will let Slack users privately message employees outside of their company. It's designed for companies working with partners or clients, but you could even use it to message friends at other companies. So go ahead. Hmm. No, I was just saying, I think we talked about this when they first announced it um, last year, but if I'm remembering correctly, I thought the whole point was for, so say if you work for company A, mm -hmm. but I'm company B and I'm your supplier, even though we don't work for the same company, we have same interests. So it would open it up so that you and I can communicate back and forth, but only you and I, it wouldn't just let anybody who's on Slack be able to jump into the DMs. I thought the whole point of this connected DMs was to not allow just anybody to be able to jump into your DMs. But reading this, it sounds like now did they shift focus to say, okay, well now anybody can DM anybody. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like they, maybe that's not the design, but maybe, you know, the, the side effect of doing this will give you the ability to pretty much DM, you know, friends at other companies again. But they not... said that was the whole point. They weren't going to allow that. Right. But it looks like, I don't know. I they guess they, it up. I guess they changed the game. I <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So again, I just put that out there because I know a lot of uh, people out there, you know, whether it be working at startups, whether it be working at some of these tech savvy companies, you know, they use Slack, they use uh, teams, you know, they use some of these, um, messaging platforms as or in place of like email because everybody hates email. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I use Slack a lot back when I was in grad school. That was like a big thing where everybody congregated on Slack, whether it be for a specific class, whether it be if you had like team projects or something. But other than that, I mean, honestly, I wasn't even aware of Slack before that before starting grad school uh -huh. and then even once I was in it you know people talk about email but 
this Slack is like next level. You have to toggle between the different channels. And then if you're not in there, you have to scroll back and catch up on the conversation. Yeah, that is true. It was a lot. To uh, me, it was it was counterproductive. Right. Um, I guess the 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 opposite of that is you really feel like a team, even if you're not directly, you know, in the same office because mm-hmm. the, you know, information goes so fast instead of taking the time to set up a meeting and schedule it in, you know, the the, the calendar and mm-hmm. trying to find out everybody's free and open and busy. You can mm-hmm. just ping somebody right fast and not have to, again, like you said, you know, while email is kind of separate, you know, um, a lot of people get so many emails that they tend to ignore them, right? Versus yeah. uh, Slack message, you kind of prioritize that notification versus an email notification may go way down on Maybe. your <laughs> priority list when it comes to responding. But you get a Slack message or Teams or whatever, you kind of pay attention to that closer. So it's, I guess it's just a way for people to stay a communicating. Way. Right. And if people are already using Slack as their primary communication tool, then I guess this makes sense. I know we are shifting at my job from Skype to Teams. Mm-hmm. And for me, it has not been an easy transition because, you know, with Skype, you have a little uh, icon in your in your sys tray at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So if someone pings you, it kind of highlights so you can see it. Not so much in my experience with Teams unless I'm using it wrong. And then my thing is, I like to be able to close out chats when I'm done talking with you. Mm-hmm. In Teams, it keeps them. And the only thing you can't delete them, the only thing you can do is hide them. Right. And so I just keep hiding them. I don't know where I'm hiding them to, though. <laughs> and if I need to go back to them, I don't know how to unhide them. I don't know. Right. And I guess it's just, you know, the learning curve and using, you know, getting used to a new tool. But I right. mean, I get Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, paid Slack users will be able to access Slack Connect DMs today Um, at the time of this recording. It's Wednesday, the 24th. And the company says it plans to roll out this to all teams, including free users soon. Slack is also working on a new way to link together multiple organizations to create private business network. This feature will launch later this year and will include unified directories channel discovery and shared apps. So if you are a heavy Slack user, I guess this is good news. Good news for you. Good use. Yay. Good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next story I found was uh looks like Samsung is looking to step its drone game up and now is starting to use drone deliveries for Galaxy products in Ireland. So specifically to Samsung Galaxy, so no TVs, you know, no computers. Phones no, only. Folks. Yeah, Small phone packages. right, phones <laughs> and maybe tablets only. So uh some Samsung customers in Ireland will receive their orders through a courier that can take to the skies and reach them within a few minutes. The tech giant has teamed up with Mama Drone Delivery to make drone delivery an option for Irish customers. So long as they're purchasing the latest Galaxy devices, eligible models include the S21 Ultra, Galaxy Buds Pro, Galaxy Tab 7, which is their tablet, Galaxy Watch 3, and the Galaxy A series. I guess that's another firm of their Galaxy Watch. In addition, orders must be placed via Samsung's Irish website, an option only available for customers based in a town called Oranmore at the moment. So... Just, I just want to put that out there because it seems like, uh, we, we talked about it in the pre-show 
being able to order anything and have it delivered to your doorstep in a matter of days, if not hours, is a side effect of this pandemic. And it looks like things like drone delivery, which is going to make it easier for us to order things. It looks like that is on its way with this, you know, this story that we found about Samsung delivering products via drone. So I guess get your take. Are you looking forward to being able to get things faster? If that means a drone is going to fly down on your patio or on your front porch to drop it off. Oh, looks like I missed you. Are you muted? Oh yeah, I muted myself. Oh. <laughs> there, was someone, there was someone barking, <laughs> a dog barking. But no, I was just saying, um, I'm honestly not surprised um, at this latest innovation um, because you know we have Amazon, and then we got Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and now, now you know you have like I've used Drizzly, which is the alcohol delivery service. You order, you get it in two hours. Okay. So it's one of those things where the market is delivering things faster and faster. And it only makes sense that the next level is drones where you don't necessarily have to have bodies delivering things, mm-hmm. but you can have a drone to go out and do it. We drones have been a while around for a while now and we use them for a bunch of different things. And, you know, in, in reading this and just thinking through it, you know, we always talked about flying cars and when we get flying cars, Mm -hmm. this may be our flying car. This may be what we see buzzing around in the sky and not necessarily us in a a vehicle, even though I think that'll eventually come, Mm -hmm. this may be the first iteration of our flying car, so to speak. Right. So I was just watching uh, Back to the Future this weekend, watched the one, two, and three. And of course, the one thing that immediately popped in my head is the dates, right? Because Back Mm -hmm. in the Future dropped in 88, I want to say. And of course, in the movie, they say in the year 20, I think they said 2015, You know, Mm -hmm. when he goes to the future the first time and of course in DeLorean, the car's flying and me and my wife's first response was, nope, that's too, they predicted too soon in the future. It needs to be (laughs) 2115 before we see flying cars. But I think back then in 88, I think we were all just new flying cars was going to be a thing, right? So Because when you think of the 2000s, it's like, wow. So far away, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, nope, not so far. But like you said, the fact that, you know, drones are starting to uh, enter into our, you know, into our lexicon as, you know, the thing driving the future, especially when we're talking about automation, you know, drones are either manually driven, you know, we're talking about you know, uh, uh, smart cars that are now starting to become automated. You know, once those things kind of tie together, you know, I've mm-hmm. heard stories about Uber, uh, doing research on, you know, um, small, uh, uh, unmanned aerial vehicle for, mm-hmm. you know, Uber rides. Right. So if this, you know, takes off and becomes popular, you know, of course, companies looking to be innovative, be at the front of the line will definitely, you know, jump on this and actually take it to to where we will get, you know, flying cars again. My prediction uh, for flying cars, it, it won't be it won't be in the 2000s. It may be my guess is 21, early 21s, whatever that's called, mm-hmm. when we'll actually get us being able to out of my garage, 
you know, mm-hmm. pull out my flying vehicle and go to wherever I want to go. But uh, it looks like it's coming because the technology yeah. is coming. Batteries are getting smaller. They're trying to figure that out. Once they figure that out, you know, I think everything will take off once they figure out how to miniaturize um, a power source. You know? Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, one thing I, I don't necessarily remember in, you know, movies back then um, were, you know, self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there may have been some, but it wasn't as prevalent as the flying cars. And we're now in this whole self-car driving mm-hmm. mode. That's pretty much what everyone is doing. And um, I've I've recently taken a role in AI and ML working on, you know, EVs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles. So I think for the 2000s where we are now i think that's the focus of mm-hmm. is uh, automation yeah. automation mm-hmm. you know getting everything smaller quicker faster leaner so that when we get to the 21s you know it'll just be you know apply you know some sort aerial. of aerial <laughs> aerial technology right. to those because they're already you know you already eat, you have teslas now who already has what looks like the space dashboard mm-hmm. on the inside. They already have the batteries, even though they're heavier. It's just making sure that we trim down and slim down everything right. to make it easier. And then, you know, plop on the, you know, for lack of a better term, you know how you can take the battery off, take the battery off with the wheels, pop on, you know, the landing gear. Mm-hmm. And, and there you go. Off. All right. And I said yeah. automation. I'm going to say autonomous. <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. Yep. All right. All right. So the next story is uh, Facebook is building an Instagram for kids. And I say, yuck, because my kids are of that age to where they they (laughs) they would be the target of all this marketing. But it looks like um, um, somebody has leaked a internal post uh, that uh, Facebook, the company, has made it a priority to make a Instagram for kids under the age of 13. Um, And I'm just going to read this uh, story here or this memo. I'm excited to announce that going forward, we have identified youth work as a priority for Instagram and have decided, have added it to our H1 priority list. Uh, We will be building a new youth pillar within the community product group to focus on two things. One, accelerating our integrity and privacy work to ensure the safest possible experience for teens and B or number two, building a version of Instagram that allows people under the age of 13 to safely use Instagram for the first time. Um, Yada, 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 bunch of bunch of people, bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I clocked out at, at under the age of 13. So I guess. Of course, you know, um, I'm the family man with the kids, but I guess I just wanted to get your opinion first. Uh, You know, do you think um, do you think this is a good idea? One and two, you know, is there a need one? Is there a need for or is a demand for kids under 13 to be engaged in social media? And if so, is it the right move? Um, I have a nine-year-old nephew. Mm-hmm. He's on YouTube literally all the time. Okay, okay. My niece, my nieces are what five and one. Mm-hmm. They don't go anywhere 
without their tablets. Okay. So I personally think that it's a, a good idea to have a space just for kids. I know I was on uh, on Twitter, what was it, yesterday, and um, someone I follow said that their 15-year-old niece, um, you know, they they wouldn't let her get on Instagram, you know, and when they let her get on, she wants to be like an influencer, so that she made sure she did all the research and all that type of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they took the proactive steps to make sure that when she got on, she knew what to do, right. she knew how to handle it. But the aunt also said that as soon as she created her profile, there were adults immediately on her page with notifications set up. Mm. So if for nothing else than to create a safe space for kids to be kids, then, you know, I don't I don't really see a problem with it. I would think that their number one focus, because they know how to make the product, because the product is already out there and it's already working. Mm -hmm. What I think they should spend their time on is making sure that they have the safety protocols in place to make sure that these disgusting perverted <laughs> people don't find a way to weasel their way in. Like how, how do you validate someone's age other than by them just typing in their age? Right. No one's stupid. You know, you can do the basic subtraction mm-hmm. to, to get the number to be able to create the account. I mean, kids do it now to age themselves up to get into access to certain spaces. So my thing would be for them what are you doing to make sure that your identification process is valid to make sure that it is 13 and under actually going on these pages? And honestly, they say 13 and under. It To me, it should really only be maybe kindergarten is even, I think that's even too young. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe first grade, mm-hmm. probably in first grade, like seven, six or seven to like 13. Because if you're five and under, then the likelihood if you have uh, any type of social presence, your parents are already running it. But by the time they get ready to use it themselves, um, you know, they, they'll, they'll be old enough, old enough to to do so right. but i think if they're really doing this 95 percent of their time needs to be focused on having a valid authentication process to getting access to this site right because what it does do is we already know you know kids getting on the current instagram how these disgusting people get access to kids. Mm -hmm. But now you're talking about an environment that's strictly children. Right. If they can get into that and get access into that, then it's even worse. Right. And they will. So a couple of things, right? So I don't have a problem. um, Uh Did I lose you? No, I'm still, you're still there. Okay, there you go. So I don't have a problem with kids getting on social media or getting on platforms that have a, um, have a social aspect, right? Cause my kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, they use what, Roblox, is that the right. Thing? They use Roblox crazy and, and they have a, that has a social aspect cause they have to interact with other users to do their different things. 
Uh, they have Nintendo Switches, so they use uh, Animal Animal Crossing, which has a social aspect to it. But even in those two instances, those are gamified. So uh, I, I where my issue is, number one, the under 13. I'm like, why can't the kids just wait until 13 to get that heavy social aspect? Well, not so heavy, primary, primarily social aspect of it, because with uh, Roblox and Animal uh, Animal Crossing, the primary is a game. The secondary aspect of it is social, because in order to complete the game or do whatever the challenge is, you have to interact right with social media. The primary is being social, interacting with people you know, uh, getting likes and getting comments and getting whatever the case, being an influence, whatever the case may be. So I have a problem with that in the sense that, okay, the social aspect, I think there should be an age limit on it. And 13 has just been our, you know, Western or just society's number. So, you know, let's just, why the, the, the push to get under that, right? That's number one. Uh, number two, um, you know, like you said, my four-year-old, you know, he's all on YouTube kids. But again, that is, there's no social aspect to that. They're just watching mm-hmm. videos, you know, even with my daughters, you know, as they got older, I turned off all the social comments and social mm-hmm. aspect of it. You can't comment. You can't like nobody. You can't invite nothing. You can't message all nobody. You all you can do is watch. Right. And then when they become of age, when they became of age, we slowly but surely dialed some of that stuff back. We gave them access to more things, you know, so on and so forth. But that's me as a parent, right? I, I don't get, uh, and uh, before I get to that point, number two, to answer to, to piggyback on what you said, what is Facebook in this case? What are they doing to protect their regular people on social media? Forget the kids. We've got grown people and not necessarily just the, the pedophiles and the sicko people that want to get access but to kids people specifically. Bullying people. Bullying, you know, Stalking. people be, right, you know, people, you know, having getting depression and anxiety when it comes to being wrapped up in all of these social media platforms and social media tools and this, you know, what are y'all doing to protect them? Let's get them straightened out. Let's let's get a better handle on that. And then you know, maybe transition or broaden into younger um, audiences, you know, to maybe get them ready to be able to handle when they finally get of age and get exposed to all the social media. It's like, y'all can't even handle the current demographic you got now. What makes me believe that you're going to take all this extra uh, effort and all this extra work to protect my kids when you can't even protect the grown folks? Right. It's it's hard enough with grown people who mm-hmm. who've been around and who've experienced things now you're taking into it the the mental age of of these kids and you know how they interact mm-hmm. and how they don't have coping skills to handle some of this stuff you already have these babies you know killing themselves over being bullied at school right. my god what's going to happen on a social app when we've already seen what happens with adults and- but i think I think, but I think it comes down to, to money right. because I think I saw something where it said it, they asked kids, you know, what they want to be when they grew up. And the large majority of those kids, I think it was like 40% or something like that 
so they want to be YouTubers, influencers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So I don't know if they're trying to get a jump on, on Maybe, this new revenue possibly, stream. But because, I mean, you have, what's the Ryan's World little kid who made like 40-something million dollars I on I think YouTube. 20 or 30 million or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's plenty of kids making tons of money driving so much traffic and so much advertiser bucks to these social platforms. So I, you know, the cynic in me is like, you know, to me, it's all it all boils down to money. Right. Hardcore cash. Right. You know, how can I monetize this? Yeah, they're they're little kids, but still they make money. They right. generate money. And so how can we leverage that? Right. And and my to the the story that I'm reading kind of emphasizes my point. You know, we reported a while back that uh Facebook made a messenger for kids to where kids who, you know, aren't old enough to get on Facebook proper could get a messenger for kids, you know, account to where if they had a phone or a tablet, they can message friends and, and, you know, message friends. messaging people on Facebook? Well, so, so the problem is, you know, and I'm just reading strictly from the story in 2019, the Verge reported that a bug in messenger kids allowed children to join groups with strangers, despite Facebook's claims that the product had strict privacy controls. So that just furthers the point that Facebook, they and can't. And we know Facebook will lie. Right. They can't get their own controls to better protect their current uh, user base with their controls. Why would, how is this uh, Instagram for kids going to prove to me, a parent with of age kids, that you're going to have their best protection, privacy at heart when you can't do that for me as a regular person on Facebook regular, you know? So again, like you said, it boils down to cash. They're trying to get a jump on these kids who are becoming socially savvy earlier and are like, okay, well, how can we get them in the ecosystem early and early before they get onto Google, before they get on to Apple you know, how, how we get them before they get into Microsoft, how we get them in our ecosystem. Let them be, let, we want to be their first stop. Exactly. They the other exactly. We want to be the first stop on the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because these kids know, they know how to use it. I mean, little babies, these, these little kids, mm-hmm. they pick it up so fast mm-hmm. and they know what YouTube is. If they can't say anything else, they can say YouTube and they can go and find trolls mm-hmm. and sing and, Whatever else the right. kids are into, they know how to get to it. Which is fine, but at the same time, it's just like we got to have we have to have a cutoff, right? How young is going to be too young eventually, right? I think thirteen is a is a decent age for parents and uh, guardians, and you know people who are looking over these kids can prepare and arm themselves to be able to have a conversation with their kids as the do's that don't stay safe when it becomes a social media. You know, if parents, you know, <laughs> have to have these conversations if if with the their kids are safe on on these sites, then right, right. How can I have a how can I have a conversation with my four year old? Like, all right, now you log in Instagram, <laughs> make sure you, you know, <laughs> kids looking at me. Can I have some juice? <laughs> you know, it's like, can I have some goldfish crackers, right, man? Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, I just, I just, I just think you know, there's a time and place for everything, and I think. You know, under the age of 13, I think is a stretch, even though, like you mentioned, kids are getting exposed to social media earlier and earlier and earlier. Some of them are probably getting exposed earlier than 13 because their parents are 
letting them get on earlier. So I, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, we used to, you know, they used to call the, the TV is the babysitter. Mm-hmm. Now the tablet, the phone, that's the babysitter. You got to do something. Give kid the tablet, give kid the phone or the first thing kid, asks, can I see your phone? Where's your phone? Uh-huh. And they get on the real can Facebook or the real, real Instagram. Right. 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 All right. All right. So the last story uh, in our Second string is Bevy, a uh, platform that's used to create, you know, uh, community driven events, uh, online, you know, communities has raised $40 million in a Series C stage with 20% of it coming from black investors. So uh, this round was led by Excel with participation from Upfront Ventures. Qualtrics founder, co-founder Ryan Smith and LinkedIn. But what makes this investment remarkable is that it included 25 black investors representing 20 percent of the investment. So I just wanted to do a a highlight to some of the people. Again, like I said, uh, Bevy is an enterprise software for virtual conferences and community events. So, of course, in this pandemic, you have a lot of uh, in-person events have gone virtual so uh, it looks like Bevy is in a good position because as these events are starting to migrate to more of an online or have an online presence, you know, then of course, that's where all the money comes in because everybody's looking for the new disruptor. Right. But it's mm-hmm. dope that, you know, black investors are getting included in this new you early, know, the early in this new, you know, new um this new endeavor, you know, online, yeah. interactive, you know, uh, community events where everything is online driven. So I just want to shout out some of the investors that, you know, I'm familiar with uh, Jewel Burke mm-hmm. Solomon. You know, we've mentioned her name time and time again as one of the, you know, tech gurus in Atlanta. Paul Judge is another one in Atlanta who has, you know, like a startup village here where he's either launched his own um, uh, companies or has supported other black entrepreneurs here in Atlanta area, Angela Benton, who is a pioneer when it comes to black startups. You know, she of last year, she started Streamlytics, we which is talked about her multiple times. Uh, Baron Davis, who is a uh, former NBA baller who's kind of converted to an investor uh, and just a couple other people. So I just wanted to shout those, shout those people out, you know, to being able to get in on the ground floor of a, you know, um, a company or just being able to contribute at an early stage where we, like you said, most likely, you know, we are, you know, grasping for straws to get this kind of investment or, mm-hmm. um, we are not privy to being access to be get into some of these investment opportunities before we're not given the prospectus at the beginning before, right. <laughs> before it is IPOs on the yeah. stock market and everybody who invested early gets paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the rest of us are trying to buy some stock in order to get a couple of dollars here and there. Get a little something. Right. Yeah. So it's nice that, you know, black investors are starting to get that early access, you know, and being recognized for the ability to have the capital to invest yep. once we get the access. Yep. So I Dope. just want, yeah, I just definitely just wanted to highlight them. And I think if you didn't have anything else on that, uh, that'll be it for second string. Now we're going to move into for the culture where we talk about anything as it relates to social media, culture, so on and so forth. So, uh, uh maybe our listeners are not aware 
but mm-hmm. it's kind of hard not to be over these past couple days because um, this uh, Derek Jackson dilemma, as I call it, has taken over my feed over the past couple days. Yep. And I have as much as I do not like to research drama and mm-hmm. get in on all the tea as it relates to social media uh, celebrities, social media, whatever you want to call them. It's kind of, it was kind of hard not to go down this particular rabbit hole. So uh, let me give you the, the quick background. The Reader's Digest version. Right. So there is this uh, social media relationship expert. And I emphasize the social media because from my knowledge, this guy doesn't have any sort of certifications nope. to my knowledge has not went to any sort of university and got any sort of nope. degree on relationship coaching, you know, Maybe but you should say self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed <laughs> social media relationship expert, relationship expert. Uh, by the name of Derek Jackson. He spells his last name J-A-X-N, which I think irks a lot of people. <laughs> I was pronouncing it when I saw it. Jay Exon. Jay No. So I, <laughs> maybe his real name is Derek Jackson, spelled regular. I but think he it is Jackson. But for the for the yeah. handle, he shortened it to J A X N because maybe the full name was not available. Uh, either way, uh, for the past, I I have been familiar with him uh, for a while. I think he's been doing this hustle to where he goes on Instagram, goes on Facebook, on YouTube. And he provides relationship advice, primarily, exclusively targeted at women to where, you know, he has made a name for himself, uh, wrote a couple books and is one of those relationship experts that, you know, famously or infamously, like I mentioned, targeted targets women a lot of times at the expense of men. Right. So a lot of his uh, posts have been, you know, uh, treat your woman, right. Treat your woman. You ain't, you know, uh, women deserve better. You know, these, these men are trash out here. Ladies recognize a trash man when you see him, you know, don't, don't be out here accepting any old thing from any old man. Y'all deserve better. You know, right. You the prize, right. You know, the Steve Harvey's, the, all these guys that have kind of made a name for themselves targeting women with this relationship advice. He's been kind of the he's been one of the people that you mentioned in the group. Right. So um, as of this weekend, some news came out that number one, he's married that I did not know because all you saw in all his videos was him in his car talking to women as to how they need to be treated. Right. That probably was the first sign. Right. Building in your car. Red flag. (laughs) Right. Red flag. You, you want to do it in your house because you, you, your wife that we didn't know about didn't know you was out here doing this, right? Um, came out that he had been involved in a relationship outside of his marriage. So the information came out on the weekend. Um, the first time I heard about this was he put out a video to where he's responding to these allegations. The allegations stem from some woman. I can't think of her name. I didn't do that much research, but she had some pictures of him in his house, pictures of him uh, in, you know, in, in areas to where she ain't supposed to be, if that ain't his wife, right? Had some other allegations about, 
you know, flying her out to what you can think of this type of allegations that come out when a man, an influential person has been found having a relationship outside of his um, his marriage. Right. So he puts out this video to where he's responding to these allegations talks all around the world in a circle about, in, third in third person about him not doing, you know, all these allegations are false. You know, he made uh, something that stuck in my mind that I, wow. <laughs> he said the whole thing was well, <laughs> well, this, he, this first video where he responds to these allegations, he says, um, I had a sexual relationship with a woman Without having sex with her, so <laughs> that in of itself, I was like, "Oh, word! You can that's a thing, right? You can do that, right? Right?" So he kind of so in this first video, he explains that the allegations that were not true, and he goes on to explain that the reason why he had these relationships was because him and his wife were having marital issues, according to him. His wife. Right. Allegedly, according to him, his wife left or separated. Um, then that's when he had these relationships outside of his marriage when they were Without on a break. The, the the typical we were on a break, you know, excuse. Uh, she decided or they just he turned his life over to Christ. Another Found one. The Lord. <laughs> that, that, the Lord in it. That's that's the playbook. Number two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> First, we was on a break. Number two, I found the Lord. Right. Um, his wife, they decided to, you know, work it out, you know, uh, have been on the straight and narrow, have worked through their issues. So they're good now. And, you know, now he's just trying to respond and let people know that this stuff happened in the past. Right after that video, you know, <laughs> he put another video <laughs> and this is the video I think. The lady Tasha with the K, I think is her name. She aired it out. Some more, which is he why had he had to come back. Right. She aired out some more information, you know, and what I think happened was I think the story that he told his wife was different, was different than the story that this young lady told. So I think what he had to do was to bring his wife onto this next video number two where he's holding her hand tight and they want to do the, the typical like a freaking hostage in a bonnet. Right. But the typical press release to the press conference, we've seen so many of these powerful men get on this podium with his wife standing on the side and him having to admit that, yes, I had an affair outside of my relationship, which again contradicts what he said before to where I did some stuff, but not really right. This time in the second video, he had to come and say, I actually did some things again, because in my opinion, I think he told his wife that, you know, I did some things, but told us I ain't do nothing. So I think he had to, mm -hmm. to consolidate the story. The, exactly. The he had to reconcile the differences with his wife and with us. Again, she was look, you know, according to, again, I'm not the one to judge. I'm not a guy. I'm not going to judge her appearance, but a lot of people were so a lot of people were saying, you know, his he brought his wife on, looked like she, he brought her against her will. Uh, she wasn't prepared. And it was just a bad look for her that she had to sit there while and he explained through, to us. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just saying and suffer through the humiliation. Right. Again. Right. Because of something he did. Right. She 
didn't do nothing. Right, exactly. And now she's drugging this. He has like a triple class. Mm-hmm. And then he kept looking at her. And now she do is she she looked like one to me. She was sedated. Oh wow. Okay. And she looked like she was being held hostage. Okay. And at first, you know, we don't let the jokes fly. If nothing else on Black Twitter happens. The jokes are going to fly, even in serious situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after looking at it some more, I, I'll i let you finish and then I'll come back. Right. So she, they, they have this press conference again, at the very least, she looks hella uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, uh, you could say she wasn't, you know, dressed for the, the role because, you know, you would think that we've never seen this lady at all for, for the past five, seven years Eight years plus, he's been doing this. Didn't know she was existed. Didn't know, didn't, didn't know he was married too. Didn't know she existed. Didn't know what she looked like. Now all of a sudden, you bring her to the to the forefront in this in your mess, mess, right? And then at the very least, you would think she, you know, they would have strategized it a little bit better to where she had a better appearance. Our our first time seeing her, right? Um, they have that thing, and then of course, I think the comments came that you know why you bring her on here, her involvement. So, you know, of course, the allegations were you made her come on here. You held her hostage. She was uncomfortable against her will, yada, yada, yada. So then he comes out with another video. No, she did a video first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, she did a video. Go ahead. She did a video by herself. Okay. Basically uh, absolving him, really. Right, right. his thing. Right. Okay, then go back to your video. Yeah, so, you know, she's, again, I'm a woman. Again, that's the third thing, which is not fair to women. You know, if I think she feels like or felt like. She is, you know, I'm a woman of God and I feel like I have to keep this family together. And what made me stay was his again, turning his life over to Christ. And according to no, according to her, that was the turning point to show that he has changed his ways. So I think that was like her explanation of absolving mm-hmm. him of all the things he did. Right. So then they do another video. Uh, well, the third the one I saw was. So his style of doing videos is on Nika's side. Imagine we're an Instagram video, right? On Nika's side um, is the is the question or the person making a comment about the relationship. And then on my side is him sitting there listening to the video or reading the words. And then he does his response, right? So in this next video, which is crazy. It's wild. He is in my spot watching himself and his wife do this press release with the clutched hand and listening to their statement. And then him in third person responding to himself and and his advice to what him, this other guy who's himself and his wife the his advice for himself. <laughs> so he's he's a yeah you know, it sounds like Derek you know what Jackson. right 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 Derek Jackson. My advice to Derek Jackson, which is also myself, <laughs> should you know I think his wife you know recognizes that he made some mistakes. First and foremost, I applaud him for taking accountability for his own actions. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of men would be like, I came from a broken home. Mm-hmm. I never saw what a marriage looked like. But he, took Derek full, Jackson, right. took responsibility for it. 
And because of that, you know, I think I think for the advice for his wife, you know, I think she should give him a chance because he <laughs> like, man, what? <laughs> this is insane so so all that and that pretty much it of course again i went down a rabbit hole of course my thing was i knew of him but i didn't follow him for you know because one i'm married so i don't take relationship advice again for somebody i thought was single maybe i would have paid attention if i knew he was married (laughs) but i just found that out right so um you know and you know, I really don't. I mean, I know some people who are in the relationship um, uh, advice space, but again, you know, the internet people who have made themselves into gurus and experts, you know, not just in relationship space in general. In general, I, I yeah. tend to only stick with the people who I know certified, went to school. This is my thing, right? You know, I didn't get that impression from him, so I kind of wasn't paying all that much attention, right? Um, so, uh, my thing was, I, I went down the rabbit hole and looked for all the videos to where I was like, was he talking to himself when he was giving all this advice about these trash men, you know, his wife should have watched his videos to learn what she should have been looking for. This dude has specific videos on why a man's apology is not enough, you know, He has specific videos on if your man cheats, it probably ain't his first time cheating. (laughs) So, but interrupt there. So apparently they've been together 14 years and he's been unfaithful all that time, except for about six months. Okay. And I heard the reason why, again, all allegedly, the reason why he got married in the first place, because she was pregnant. According to him, you know, well, I was going to ask her to marry me. It just seemed like a good time. Of course, again, step number four, you know. And this is all wrapped up in the guise of Christianity Mm -hmm. and religiosity. And if you know the black community. Black women specifically. Black women specifically are the mules and the reasons why, you know, men go astray. Right. So. Yep. They're expected to carry that burden. Mm-hmm. Expected to hold the family together, expected to forgive and keep the family together. So all that to say, um, learning more about this guy, you know, my impressions of him is like his entire brand, his entire online persona is built on relationship advice targeted specifically to women. So to black Christian women. To black Christian women. So them then him getting into this um th- this issue that he frequently speaks out against mm-hmm. i find it hard if not impossible no matter all these stunts he's pulled because again all the videos all the live all the the response the the reaction video of himself i think is all a stunt not to fix his marriage but, but to fix sense. his brand and to mm-hmm. resolve his brand because the last, the worst thing he could do as a person based on this brand he's built <laughs> is do this to his wife. So the fact who that he was a black woman and who's his target audience, who's his target audience. Right? And let's not forget that his response video to his own video at the end of it, he was selling his book. Right. Right, fifty percent off for y'all. Right, so it's just it, something or other. It just reeks of a uh, a 
a publicity stunt that mm-hmm. was solely con- concocted to fix or save what little left brand he has because I find it hard, if not impossible, for him to recover from this because any video <laughs> after this... All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Apparently, he's gained like 500,000 followers since all this broke out. And I think that's because people being nosy, people who had not heard but of him before... I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No. I was going to say, people who had not heard of him before... Nosy folks, people who love drama, you know, again, I have to present company included because as much as I try to avoid this down the rabbit hole, I went. So, you know, viewed him on YouTube, followed him on social just to see what people were saying. So, of course, I added to that drama. Right. So to answer your question to uh, or to respond, I think a lot of people, you know, did not know. And it just took hold of our social media timeline so much that you wanted to be in the know, right? So, you know, you had to find out more information. So I think a lot of new followers, new shares, new views, I think are a response to people trying to figure out who he's, who this guy is and what's going on, right? And at the same time, there are a lot of people who think like him. Right, right. It's a lot, unfortunately, it's a lot of people who think like this guy. And, and... As much to my chagrin, much to a lot of people, a lot of black men's chagrin in general, again, it didn't apply to me because I know I'm happily married. I happily love my wife and I don't cheat. Right. So a lot of his angst or a lot of his um, uh, targeted destructive criticism towards men, I knew didn't apply to me. But a lot of brothers felt like, okay, well, this dude, he's trying to take advantage of these women by painting men in a bad light to make himself look good. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I find it hard, uh, like I said, for him to, you know, to recover uh, from this. But I guess the question I wanted to ask you. Oh, oh, that's the point I was I was going to get to. Um, And then I lost it that fast. Uh, Anyway, the, the question I wanted to ask to you, you know, as far as him specifically, you know, do you think he falls under the you know, people make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. You know, as long as he and his wife have reconciled and as as long as they are happy, is this one of those everybody makes mistakes type of scenarios and people should be given grace? Because if I, you know, hypothetically, if I was in this situation, I want people to give me grace. Or do you view this as a manipulative, narcissistic person who is trying to take advantage of his audience and by, you know, uh, you know, just by being trying to take advantage of his wife by putting her in this Mm -hmm. position to where one, she didn't ask to be in the social media light number one. And then two, trying to prop her up as you can, as a shield or a guise to hide from the criticism from him, you know, putting her through this ordeal in the first place. So I personally think it's the latter. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll say I didn't know who he was. I had seen like his videos, but never watched them on the timeline. And I've seen, you know, people repost them and all that stuff. But I didn't know that his shtick was this whole I'm a relationship guy. I, you know, I lift up my back black queens and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that is what his deal was. Mm-hmm. But again, this, I think really for me broke on Monday 
and um, I wasn't feeling well and I couldn't sleep. So I was deep down in the rabbit hole, you know, looking and, and seeing what the deal was behind it. And what I saw is a narcissist who was a manipulator. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, we all got our jokes off about, you know, you know, the way his wife was dressed and all those type of things. But after pondering on it and allowing it to sit more and knowing that it's wrapped up in the guise of Christianity and the black church, it made me realize that I think, and this is just my opinion, he chose his wife for this specific reason. Oh, wow. I think he had her on this video looking like that for a specific reason to say, look at this. This is the woman I married Mm -hmm. and look at how she's dressed. You know, this is what led me to cheat because she doesn't, you know, keep herself up. Oh, wow. You think so? Yeah, I really think so because he's manipulated the situation from the very beginning, from the fact of not saying, you know, you know, you know, selective amnesia, Mm -hmm. not mentioning that he was married. No one knew that he was married. He put off the facade that he was a single man, you know, trying to help other men, you know, love their women and treat their women right. And then the first time we see her, he didn't prepare her to be on camera. He didn't, I mean, she doesn't have to be glammed up, but she could have been, you know, allowed the opportunity to take her bonnet off. And, you know, take her hair or control her own narrative or control her own narrative, Mm -hmm. not let this be the first thing. And in that video, how often did she speak? He was looking to her to validate all the points he was making about himself. Mm -hmm. And I've grown. I've changed. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? He was just using her as a head nod to agree with what he was doing, which is what a lot of, unfortunately, black men in the church do. They go step it on their wife. They get outside children. They do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But because you're the dutiful black Christian wife who stands by their man, because you know it is for better or for worse. Right. And this just happens to be the worst. So you have to stick by me. And if you don't stick by me, then that means that you're not a real a ride or die, which is what a lot of people right. were saying. Right. Right. And I think, you know, because they posted, you know, some of her, um, her tweets, I mean, her, her, her Instagram posts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was really dark and I felt really bad for her because she had, she talked about, you know, her own insecurities, how she was raped before, mm. how her father wasn't in her life, how she had a bad relationship with him and just reading her words. They were just so heavy and so dark and how she said that she looked at other women and compared herself to them. She couldn't do this sexually or that sexually. Mm. And that's why he let, he stepped out because she wasn't able to fulfill his needs and all those types of things. It seemed to me that she has a lot of healing to do on herself, but what he's doing is just dragging her out to parade in front of everybody because he knows that she's going to, you know, be that dutiful wife mm-hmm. and with him and say, he found God, he repented. That's why I took him back because he's now on the straight and narrow, but he's been cheating on her up through all of this. Wow. Wow. And um, the lady, the Tasha with the K who broke all this, she came out either today or yesterday and said, Oh, so you're not going to talk about there's something else that you still haven't, you know, acknowledged. 
I'm going to give you the opportunity to come out with it with yourself. And if you don't, then I will. So it's still more stuff. And my thing is, you know, I grew up in the church. I'm a Southern girl, small town. You know, you, the black church has unfortunately in some instances really diminished and, you know, been the biggest purveyor of harm on black women Mm -hmm. expecting black women to do all the labor but you can't be in the pulpit and preach right but we want you to do the teaching but not so much that you overshadow Mm -hmm. the man you can't be a pastor because the head of the church has to be a man right they don't say that in the bible right that's something that man made up Mm -hmm. and my thing is i want for this woman to get the healing and therapy that she needs because aside if you take away and put all of the things that he did as a husband mm-hmm. and all of that based on her own words and her own Instagram posts she has a lot that she needs to deal with mm-hmm. internally for herself before she can even start to probably even come to terms right all the things that he's done to her in their marriage. Right. And so what's, what's so funny about that is that's one of his posts. That's one of his videos about women, men giving women the space that they need to heal. Right. And it looks like from the timeline that he mentioned, because according to him, not counting the stuff that you mentioned that this has been an ongoing thing throughout their entire relationship I'm just talking about the the recent allegations and the time between him, them coming to an agreement that their relationship is over, her leaving, her deciding that he's changed and them reconciling things from what I understand was only a year long. That whole thing was about a year from beginning to end. And I don't know about you. I ain't never been in this position. You know, I don't know if there's an official timeline for heartbreak and reconciliation, but it sounds like all the stuff they've been through, that ain't enough time. And if he were to take his own advice, which is another problem, because the problem, a lot of his advice, unbiased, is valid. Right. A lot of the information taken alone, what he was saying, if you if it was somebody else saying it, someone who went to school uh or certification. Yeah. Right. So. But now the fact that he has been propped up or propped him own self up as Mm -hmm. this expert and can't even follow his own advice. I don't know about you, but it invalidates everything. A lot of people say, oh, don't shoot the messenger. No. If somebody came to me, if a brother came to me and was like, yo, I know you, you know, you in your thirties, you, I mean, your late thirties or the early forties, you know, that's when most men start to lose their hair. You know, I got this hot product that you need to take and his hairline is back here. I'm not going to take his advice. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to take Health advice, yo, man, you need to be exercising. You need to get early sleep, man. And you need at least 30 minutes a day and you on drugs and you a crackhead. 
I, as valid as your advice is, I'm not going to take that advice. So, and he's at, a proven liar. As a relationship expert who has built their whole brand around telling women what they should and should not expect from a man in order to find in order to find your happiness, which is another problem, the whole push of women in order to find happiness you need to find a man that's a whole nother issue right wrong (laughs) right (laughs) but for him to build his whole brand on look out for trash dudes and then come to find out he's a trash dude that invalidates everything you just said i don't care what validity what common sense what good points you had i shoot the messenger if you can't live by your own standards then I'm not going to listen to anything you suggest to me in my life and my standards. Right. So I think that's the whole, unfortunately, you know, it unravels all the good he did because again, you can't take your own advice and you can't expect other people to keep their house clean when you can't keep your own. So. Right. And one of the things is before we wrap up is um, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but the minister, John Gray. Yes, of course. And when he was going through all his things, apparently this guy went on this huge rant about him and his wife and the cheating allegations and all that stuff. So here comes John Gray back saying, well, brother, you know, and he did this long caption about, you know, the way that he treated him. When he was going through, through his, his thing. own mm-hmm. cheating scandal issues or whatever, which had this, so which the he had. To, let me interrupt, interrupt you. He had the same excuses. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of did some things, but I didn't do. I didn't do the. I didn't do the sex part, but mm-hmm. I did all the stuff around it. So I ain't all that bad. <laughs> so go <Right>. ahead. <laughs> Allegedly, right? But again. Are we supposed to take your word on what you did and didn't do when you have proven to be a liar? Uh But all that to say is you out here in the infamous words of Martin living foul. I mean, straight up foul. And then you want to try and flip the script. Um, And that's 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 not how it works. And again, I just really hope that his wife takes care of herself and gets the help that she needs. And also he, I hope that he gets the help that he needs because narcissism is a mental disorder. Mm -hmm. And I think if anything, that third video showed straight up, that was wild. Straight up. Wild. I mean, it's no way to, Mints or parse words. Right. That was straight up narcissism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, for those who are interested into looking into this, you know, I don't, I ain't gonna say it's worth all your day, but it's, it's, it, 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 like again, it just puts that point to where, you know, all information you have to, you have to, um, question the source. All information ain't good information, uh, regardless of who it comes from. And nobody has the right answers, you know, but at the same time, again, like I said, 
it's just a shame that all of his information, while valid, you know, now has been thrown into question because, you know, putting this back to technology, bringing this back to social media, you know, everybody now on social media has a platform, right? That's good because there are some people with information, uh, with, with influence that they could share with information, with education, whatever the case may be, who didn't have a platform before now has access to a, uh, now has the ability to create this platform for themselves when otherwise they can do it. The bad problem is everybody has a platform to then create a persona that they then themselves either get burnt out, either can't keep up or in Derek Jackson's case, not living up to the social media persona that they portray. And that can be dangerous of a lot yeah. of people out here doing whatever's trendy on social media, doing whatever's popular and can't keep it up because eventually, eventually, eventually something's going to happen. And if you're not being your authentic self on social media, something like this will destroy your entire brand if you're not being authentic. Right. So I think that's the ultimately that's the takeaway. Be who you are all the time. If you go out here and try to pretend like you're one way to your friends, another way to your family, a whole nother way on social media, it's not sustainable. Exactly. And eventually it will, it will, the house of cards will come crashing down, down, which if it was me, right. And I'm going to end on this. I keep talking, but if it was me, right. And I built a platform on relationship advice, targeting women. And I am a handsome, athletic, built guy. And I know my appeal, personal appeal, is what is attracting a lot of these women. But I know in the back of my head that I am not living the the brand that I'm portraying. I would have been pivoted to, all right, well, let me figure out how I can hawk these smoothie shakes and these tummy teas and these workout virtual workout to where relationships is not my only uh, source of income. So when something like this, where it comes into play that he has some sort of mental disorder to keep all of this in play and to think that he could get away with it still. And the thing that I think we're the biggest thing we're probably missing from all of this is that, There are real people on the other side of these screens Mm -hmm. who have been taking his word as gospel and living their life and trying to find a person to do all these things he's talking about. Mm -hmm. What mentally happens to these black women who are so invested in this? Because you're always told if you're a woman, you got to have a man. If you don't have a man, something wrong with you. That type of thing. Or or who better? women right or who better to tell you about men's behavior than other men i think that's mm-hmm. another thing uh, another angle that he was coming at is who's better who better to give you the game than another man right i know right yeah you you do know bro you, you know <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> right all right all right enough of that dude <laughs> let's uh let's uh, go ahead and close this out and move on to the hookup where we uh you know i give out some uh some tips and this tip for this week, you know, uh if you need to catch somebody in a lie, <laughs> you can't right. <laughs> you can 
use your iPhone to actually record calls. Now, there's no traditional way. There's no built in feature in the call app to actually record calls. But if you are on a phone call and, you know, you want to record that phone call, you can just as simple open up the voice memos app and start a new recording and it will record the phone call and the conversation for both parties. Now, of course, the crux to this is in order for it to be legal, in order for it not to get thrown out, and if you have to bring it in court and to avoid getting sued, you have to have permission, uh, not everywhere, but in certain states, you have to have permission from both parties to actually record a conversation. But if you do figure out how to do that or just need to keep it for notes purposes, you know, to go back and listen to it, to get notes and you do have that permission, you can very easily use your iPhone, start the call, switch over to the voice memo, start a voice memo and it will actually record your phone call. So that's my little tip for this week. If you're on a phone call, you need to make sure you record for prosperity, prosperity, you know, is it prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. Or like I said, in Derek Jackson's case, you need to <laughs> document some things. <laughs> you can do that uh, with your iPhone. So uh, if you don't have anything uh, else, nope. Nika, I think that is it for the week. Uh, we definitely uh, thank you all for uh, listening to the show. You know, in order to please, you know, share the love, share it with a person. You can download, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, you can engage with us. We're on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SnobOSCast. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. In, in addition to being a podcast, we're also, we upload our shows every week to YouTube. Uh, you can find us at SnobOSCast. Be sure to do all the YouTube things, like, subscribe, uh, get notified so you are notified when videos go up every week. Uh, you can leave comments and suggestions. You can do so on our website. We're at snobboscast.com or you can shoot us an email at snobboscast at gmail.com. Finally, uh, you can sh- support the show monetarily. Uh, you can support us via Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You get access to pre-show, our live show taping. You get access to the show early and you get access to our SnobOS cast community. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash SnobOS cast. Uh, we definitely want to thank our new snobbist. Uh, we have a new one, uh, Sam Russell. Uh, he is the gentleman who is the new uh, Patreon who we uh, read his comments earlier in the show. So we definitely want to thank you to our new member. Uh, if you, you right, thank you. And if you don't want to uh, uh, become a monthly uh, subscriber via Patreon, you can give us a love offering via PayPal. We're at snobo at paypal.me forward slash snobos. And other than that, I think that is it this week. So until next weekend, or next week rather, we are out. Peace. Yes. Bye. Bye.